if you're able. Uh, I want to begin reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll read verses 14 through 16. And so we'll begin in verse 14. The Bible says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins alway, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. You may be seated. You know, I look at the current lives that we live, and uh, we in our current lives have probably not experienced personally some of the persecution that we're looking at right here in these three verses and the type of persecution uh, for their faith in Christ Jesus. And believe me, there was a war against those that believed in Jesus Christ in this day because there were folks that uh, would really persecute them even unto death. And uh, personally, I have never been persecuted that immensely in my life since I've been saved. Now, I will say that I faced some trials as a result of my faith. I've faced some trouble as a result of my faith. I've faced some situations where even uh, in the workforce that uh, I was uh, uh, tested, uh, even while in the workforce, uh, by my faith uh, in the workforce. But I don't believe I've ever faced any type of battles like we see here. And, and I began to think about there are those wars against those that believe in Jesus Christ, and we're still facing some of those battles today. It's not as strong a force here in the United States as it might be overseas. And uh, we've seen even in days past, you know, within the last two years, folks being beheaded uh, over in foreign countries for their faith in Jesus Christ, not denouncing Christ. Now, I don't know of any of that that has taken place in the United States here. We have a lot of liberty and a lot of freedom here in America for the most part, we're free to worship our Savior. We don't have those kinds of difficulties. And you know, it's amazing to me when I look at some of those countries where they're hindered and aren't able to meet openly like we are, some of those places are full of people because they want to know about Jesus Christ. And here we live in a country that we're free to, and sometimes we're not as filled up as they are in, uh, across the seas. And Paul then sends a challenge to the church and the people of Thessalonica back in verse 13, which we looked at last week. Uh, at verse 13, he said, But as is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so where our strength comes from in our times of trials, in our times of trouble, is the word that resides in us, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, which resides in us. And when these people who oppose the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the message of salvation, it says this, to fill up their sin always. You ought to underline it in your Bible. When people are doing this, if you look at verse 16, he says to fill up. Uh, they're piling sin upon sin as they go through and reject the name of Christ and try to uh, cause others to turn away from him, create hardships for others because of their faith. This fill up is to pile sin upon sin, leading to the end. And when you look at what it says in the end, it says, uh, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And so you see that happening as a result of their sin being piled upon sin. And so I challenge us, are you praying for the unsaved? Are we praying for the enemies of God? Uh, you say, uh, what are you saying? I'm saying that we should pray for the unsaved, those that even oppose themselves. When you go out and you knock on doors in the communities around here, 
there are folks that are very resistant to the gospel. Uh, they don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They, they reject it and also can even come to the point where they're angry. And uh, we saw some of that just this summer uh, as we were hanging out some flyers. And uh, uh, my Emily was exposed to a lady just completely frustrated and angry because we were trying to share the gospel with them. And, uh, and so you can see some of that coming on and here in our nation. And so are you praying for the unsaved, your enemies, as they compile the wrath of God upon themselves through their sin? Now when I look at this, Paul is our example of how to overcome the threatenings of others. And he draws upon the past and he says, let me tell you what the Jews did so that you know that you can remain encouraged because even in their persecution, they continue to bring forth the message of Christ. And so he reaches back into the past and brings it into the future and tells the church at Thessalonica, look, the Jews uh, uh, even did this to their own countrymen, even as your countrymen are doing this to you and causing this persecution to come upon you. And I began to look at it and I thought there's three things here that our faith in Christ can lead to various threats and hardships as we find here in Thessalonica. One of the hardships was there were some sufferings that went on. And then it went to the point of some terrible persecution, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And then beyond that, they wanted to give a gag order. And boy, I'm praying we're not getting to that place in our nation where we have a gag order where we can't even announce or pronounce or say or proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And so we'll see this in these passages and what Paul was dealing with here. He said, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. When you look at that word follower or followers, you ought to underline that in your Bible. That means you're imitators. <laughs> you're following. You're doing the same thing that they are. An example meaning that they not only followed them physically around, but would spiritually adhere to the truths that came out from these folks. And what God is teaching us, as you look in verse 13, he said, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe, for ye, brethren, became followers of the churches. In other words, you followed not just in following us around, but the idea is that you followed us spiritually to those truths. You adhered to those truths. Even as they did, and you look over in the book of Acts, and if you go over there, what a pivotal book that is for us because we're going from uh, the kingdom age to the, to the church age, and you see some changes there. We're coming from the law unto grace, and God's doing a wonderful work and, and demonstrating this. And there's some words that are spoken in Acts chapter 2 and verses 41 and 42 that are so important to us as believers. And here's what he says. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Do you know that should help us as believers? One, someone needs to receive the word before they get baptized. Amen. They don't get baptized before they receive the word. They received the word and they were baptized. Now notice this. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And watch this. And they continued steadfastly. That means they stuck with it. They kept going after it. They, they then continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. <laughs> and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And so we see even there in the book of Acts that the church there, once those folks got saved, they continued or they followed in the church's beliefs. They followed in, and is telling this church at Thessalonica, he said, hey, listen, stick with the stuff. Even in the midst of your sufferings and your trials and in your troubles, stick with the stuff. See, the word of God works in you, and, and you are followers, you're imitators, you're to follow what we're doing here and stick with it. And, and you think about this, as, as through our profession of faith, we generally do not suffer persecution, as you would see here 
uh, unto death, but we can be looked down upon. We can be frowned upon. Uh, you know, we can have family that divert from us or turn from us. We can have friends that turn their back on us or, uh, you know, they, they look at us as, as though we're weak and, and we have to have some sort of religion to help us and all those kinds of things. Listen, don't listen to any of that nonsense, but be a follower of Christ. You see, he's our Lord and master now. We are imitators of Christ. We're to follow in his footsteps. We're not to allow the things of the world to taint our minds and our thoughts. We need to allow the word of God to take over and to allow it to guide us and strengthen us. Let me share this thought with you. This can happen with family. It can also appear in the workplace. Uh, but I challenge you to maintain your faith as a follower of Christ and even encourage others to seek Christ out and, and keep a strong testimony for the Lord. You have a responsibility before God to do such and that. Now, as I thought about this, for ye, have also, ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, sufferings to experience or endure what this has the idea of is some very unpleasant experiences. And uh, I, I can tell you I've been in situations where it's been unpleasant at times, being the only Christian sometimes maybe in the room. <laughs> or being the only Christian there, and it can be unpleasant at times, it can be uncomfortable at times. In 1 Peter 2.21, he makes this statement, though, he said, For even here and too were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So even in the midst of sufferings or in trials or in hardships or family maybe turning away from you or turning their back on you or uh, thinking that you're foolish because of the way that you believe or whatever the case may be, I want to challenge you to stick with the stuff because God teaches us in the midst of it all, we should follow in his footsteps. Here's what happened over in Acts chapter 17 in verses 5 and 13. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took upon unto them certain lewd fellows of a baser sort. You know, you look at that and you think, what kind of fellow was that? Do you ever wonder what a baser sort was? And you look at it and you're thinking, man, these must have been some brutes, amen? And so he took these and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when the Jews, in verse 13 of Thessalonica, had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. <laughs> they made it worse. And so instead of coming and supporting and working with him, they go against him. And so you can be challenged at times but I challenge you to stick with the stuff because we're to follow in his steps. Over in Hebrews, it says this in 10, 32, and 35. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Now I want to tell you, because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have trouble, amen? Sometimes when you get saved, trouble starts to enter in. And what it is, is he said, listen, I want you to remember you endured a great trial of afflictions. He says, partly will she were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and affliction, and partly will she became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward." And here's the challenge. Even whenever you're struggling or you're having a hard time or maybe uh, your faith is being tested or you're facing some sort of struggle, don't turn away from God. Paul's challenging this church at Thessalonica. And he's saying, listen, maintain the imitation. <laughs> 
Go after him. Be like them. Be like those that are imitating Christ. Be followers of those that are followers of Christ Jesus. Stick with the stuff. Don't give up. Don't quit. And so in the midst of it all, in your sufferings, stick with the stuff. Paul was stating that their current sufferings pale in comparison to what the future holds for us in heaven. Therefore, keep it stable. Stay with it. That that which honors Christ. And I think about this sometimes, and I don't know about you, I go through struggles just like the rest of you do in this church. I just do. And, and there are things that enter in, and you get frustrated. You get, how many of you have ever just really been just frustrated? Have you ever been there? You just get aggravated and frustrated. And here's the thing. What do we draw upon? Now, we can turn to the flesh, can we not? Or we can turn to the Spirit. And, and you know, we look at it maybe as persecution. Maybe we look at it as sufferings. I was just talking with Dustin the other day, and I was telling him some things that were going on. And he said, now that's just life, isn't it, Pastor? And I looked at him. I said, don't say that again. That's the devil. <laughs> he doesn't like us. <laughs> and he goes, no, I think it's just life. I said, leave. It's time to go now. Because <laughs> I wanted it to be the devil. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is we have struggles, don't we? We face hard times. We face those hardships. And when we do, what do we do about those sufferings? Well, what did Paul say? He said, well, listen, uh, listen, have, have these, uh, he says, the spooling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring what? Substance. It's better than what's here. It's going to be wonderful. And then he says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Don't throw it away. Don't throw away the confidence that we have in Christ in those times of suffering. Those are the times where we need to come to him more. So I challenge us, even of our enemies, even of those that are unsaved, pray for them. Because these folks, as Paul said here at the church of Thessalonica, they're just piling sin upon sin upon themselves. And then there is always opposition to our faith in Christ. Look at verse 15. Now you want to talk about some opposition. Whew. Look at verse 15. He brings this up. He said, Who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And notice this phrase, and they please not God. They're not pleasing the Lord by doing these things. And are contrary, notice this, to all men. <laughs> and you look at these persecutions, and we now find Paul giving a list of charges against the Jews and their desire to stop the message of Jesus Christ. And it compares to the situation happening here at Thessalonica. He's going back and he said, I want you to know the Jews did this to the Jews. And so these Greeks doing these to this church at Thessalonica, this is no really no different. These are the same kind of persecutions that came about. And the Thessalonians were being now persecuted by the Greeks just as the Jews had persecuted the others. And here's what he says. So, you know, when you go back and you see they piled or they filled up their sins all the way, they piled sin upon sin because what they began to do, not only did they kill the Lord Jesus Christ, they persecuted and killed their prophets, and now they were after Paul. And I want you to get a hold of this. They even knew what the law says, thou shalt not kill in Exodus 20, 13, right? Or over in Deuteronomy 5, 17 as well, it says thou shalt not kill. So he says they were piling sin upon what? Sin, they were making it worse for themselves. And so they began to persecute. And so as you look at this, he says, well, who did they do? So Paul's charges against the Jews who both killed, now think about this, killed both the Lord Jesus and persecuted their own prophets. He's bringing charges against the Jews, isn't he? Now, I don't know about you, but Paul always found himself in hard situations, and I think it's because he was honest. Would you agree? And he was just truthful with them. 
And, and he points this out. He says, you know, they killed the Lord Jesus over in Acts 2, through 23. Ye men of Israel, hear ye these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Peter speaking, but Paul later on reiterating that same thing. And he said, you know what you all did? (laughs) You killed our Savior. You crucified him. Not only did you do that, but you did it to their prophets as well. He says in Acts 7.52, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, he calls them. I mean, that's what's coming upon the heads of these people. And this is why we have to pray, even for our nation today, People that we don't like, people that we don't care about, people that we would say, you know, if they were gone tomorrow, it wouldn't matter to me in one bit. We ought to be praying for our nation, our nation's leaders, people that are making laws and changing things in our nation, people that are trying to change uh, the way we worship and the things and the freedoms that we have in our nation. We need to pray for those folks. Listen, we can vote. I agree. But the hearts of men will not change until Christ gets a hold of them. And so our challenge would be to pray for these folks. Paul had firsthand knowledge of this type of action because he was part of the killings before his salvation. You go back in Acts chapter 8, and what did he do? He was killing. He killed. He stood there and held the cloaks of the men that killed Stephen. He watched one of God's own get killed. He stood right there and watched it. But something happened to him. And on the road to Damascus, God changed this man's life. And now Paul has become all too familiar with persecution. No, he's not the one persecuting. He's the one now being persecuted. And you know, it's never fun when you're being persecuted, whenever hardships are coming up against you because of your faith. And he said, have persecuted us. In 1 Corinthians 4.12, Paul said, in labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we blessed, being persecuted, we suffered it. They went through some hardships just to get the gospel out. Do you know to go knock on doors in our, in our area? It's not really that hard. It's not at all. In fact, people are starting to open up, especially as we went around to some of these doors in St. Mary's. They're starting to open up to us and listen. And uh, I, I, can, I can still, every time I think about it, I hear Miss Kathy Henshin saying, God showing favor to us, you know favor to, from, of God and favor of man. I keep thinking about it. Every time I knock on the door, I say, Lord, give me your favor. I want favor from you, and I want favor with this person standing at this doorstep. <laughs> and it's hard sometimes, isn't it, brother? And, and yet, there's starting to be an openness to God again. We're going out, and we're finding people that are absolutely, completely, and totally ignorant of God. It's amazing. That is in the United States where this flows freely. It's written freely. It's passed around freely. It's all over the internet. It's on our telephones. It's all over the place. And people are completely ignorant of who Jesus Christ is. And you know, folks, sometimes God let persecution come upon the church so that it would draw attention to him again. And he'd let some of those things enter in. And I look at this and I see this now as his thoughts toward his current state of persecution has changed. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 9, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. (laughs) He knew that gospel message was going to get out because it was the word of God. 
And you know, folks, even if someone's hard toward us or hard-nosed toward us, give out the gospel anyway. And, and I was at Menards the other day, and the guy at the counter, I have no idea. I mean, I would think as employees, you wouldn't want to do this, but he just went on a cuffing streak. And he was the actually one checking me out, you know what I mean? He wasn't looking at me checking me out. I mean, he was checking out the stuff on the counter. And he was just talking about stuff, and he just went on a little cussing streak. And, and so I, as he was doing his cussing streak, Brother Chris, I just pulled a track out of my pocket, and I said, hey, I want to invite you to church because <laughs> he's on a cussing streak. Now, I could have got mad at him and yelled at him or whatever, right? But what do you think was the better thing to do? Share the gospel with him more than anything else. I thought, well, there's nobody else in line. I thought, well, man, maybe we can get with it right here. And the thing of it is, is that sometimes we just get upset with people. We get angry or we feel like it's persecution on us. And really, it's God giving you an opportunity. And sometimes when those hard things come into our lives, that's God providing you an opportunity maybe to speak to your family about the gospel. Maybe you'll get that one-on-one that you wouldn't normally get. (laughs) Maybe something will come your way, that opportunity to share the gospel. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. He was encouraging the believers at Thessalonica to endure the hardship. For though, it goes all the way back to verse 13, and he said that, which it work effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul's life was a life of killing believers, piling sin upon sin, and he had gone and found the grace of God, amen, and now he was piling soul upon soul. He was starting to win people to Christ. And you know, you, you never know who the next door you knock on could be the next Paul. Could be the next one that decides, you know what, no more am I going to be what I was. I'm going to clean my act up. I'm going to start getting my life right with God. I'm going to let go of the things of the world and the things that are holding me. And I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to get into His Word. I'm going to start living for Christ. Who is that person? Who is that door that we're going to knock on and they are that person that decides today's the day that life changes? That I'm going to live for God and not for self anymore. That I'm going to allow God to really begin to work in my life. We know not who that person is. And then he makes this proclamation against those persecutors. And he said, they please not God. Just know there's nothing that they're doing that's pleasing God. I had someone share with me uh, that they're afraid sometimes to share the gospel with their family or to share it uh, with someone because they might get upset with them. I want to tell you, you're not going to push them any further to hell than they already are. The only thing you can do is try to draw them closer to the Lord. And we sometimes are fearful to witness because we, of how we feel. How many of you understand what I just said? Sometimes we don't witness because of how we, what? Feel. feel. And we need to set our feelings aside and we need to say, you know what, even if they don't like what I share, don't care for what I've told them, I know I've told them the truth. And believe me, you're not going to push them any further into hell than they already are. Sometimes you're going to draw them closer to God by being a strong and powerful testimony. You know, Paul's life was a life of killing believers and how it turns into one winning souls to Christ. And then he declares that these people and their actions are contrary to all men. This action is against all men. It's hostile. It's the opposite of what Christ had promised. I saw a segment the other day of, of uh, Donald Trump Jr. being on a program called The View. How many of you have seen that? You know what I'm talking about. Donald Trump Jr. was on there. And he wrote a book called Triggered. <laughs> 
And, uh, and so these uh, ladies that are on this program, the very thing that they're angry about was the very thing that they were doing to him. And I was sitting there listening, and I thought, this is crazy. And they're so angry at this man, and they are almost enraged to go after him. And the very thing that they're saying that they're mad about, they are behaving in the manner that they said that upset them. And I look at the world, and they go contrary to all men. This action is against all men. It's hostile. It's the opposite of what Christ would want from us. That's why we should not become hostile. That's why, you know, folks, I don't know what it is about the Internet, but people become brave on Facebook or on Twitter. And they say things that they would not normally speak out of their mouth. (laughs) And I challenge you as Christians, watch what you post. Be careful what you say. You ought to pray before you put it out there. You ought to think before you speak, because it is speaking, isn't it? It's saying something, and so we need to be conscientious of that as we put stuff out there. He then declares that these people and their actions are contrary to all men. And you know, even in our current day, as is in Paul's day, there's a desire to silence the message of Christ. And folks, that is true. I mean, if they can stop us, they will. Uh, they, They do not like the message of Christ. So what happened? Look at verse 16. The gag order comes. He said, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be what? Saved. The gag order came. And there's a push even in our day to stop the mouths of those that preach Christ. This is what makes our religious liberty in the United States so wonderful. I'm excited that I can talk about Jesus. I can go, you know, Brother Dan, I can go in the mall if I want. I can stand up there and talk about Jesus, and it doesn't matter. Very few people want to do that today. It's called street preaching, amen? <laughs> I was down in Georgia, man. I saw some street preachers. I stood there. I was enamored by it. I mean, these guys are letting it rip, man, right on the street. And I was like, man, this is good stuff. And they're just down there letting it rip. And I'm like, man, this is, I don't know. I might go into street preaching. There might be more money in it, right? <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. These at Thessalonica were to place, uh, were to place, as we find in Acts, uh, given a gag order. So Paul stated, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. Forbidding meaning that the message of the truth found in the previous verses and in the book of Acts, they wanted to stop them. How many of you know what it teaches over in Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42? It talks this, here's what happens, and here's the apostles now. They were out and they were preaching Jesus. <laughs> and I, I, this passage, I mean, it just... You read it and you think to yourself, this really happened to these men. And it says, and to him they agreed. This is in Acts 5, 40 through 42. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them. <laughs> now I want to ask you something. When is the last time you've been beaten because of the gospel? It hasn't happened. I mean, if it's happened to you, let me know because I don't know anybody. I don't personally know anybody that has been beaten for the gospel. Now, I say that, but I think of Jeremy Pittman. He was over in Africa, and he got beat up. And he was a, Jeremy Pittman was a a, uh, missionary to Africa. And they beat him almost to death and had to have his jaw wired up, and they brought him back to the United States. And and, uh, 
And uh, he had to eat out of a straw for months on end. And the thing of it is, is just, I've, n- I've not really known anybody here in the United States that's ever been beaten for the gospel. And I look at this, and it says, and, and to him they agreed, and they had called the apostles and beaten them. Now here's what they did. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. Here's what they did. Rejoicing. I mean, who does that? Man, guess what? We just got beat. <laughs> Aren't you excited? How many of you get excited about getting a whooping? Huh? And the thing of it is, they just got whooped. And they says, and it says, and they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now notice this. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Don't let one door or one person stop you from sharing the gospel with anybody. Don't let one family member, one coworker, one situation stop you from proclaiming the name of Christ. For these men were beaten and they rejoiced in the fact that they were beaten and for Jesus' namesake. And here's the thing, they immediately went right back to doing what? Preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. Now, as I look at this, the reason they did not want them to talk with the Gentiles is that they might too believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and begin to spread the good news abroad. So Paul stated that they wanted the message of Christ to be stopped, that they might be saved. They wanted that stopped. Now, there's no knowledge other than what's found in the Scriptures in our current day in the United States of anyone being beaten or commanded not to speak in the name of Christ. And boy, we've been given great liberty. So here's the challenge. They were given a gag order. They forbid them to do this. They forbid them in Acts. They forbid them here at Thessalonica. (coughs) They were telling them, don't talk about it. Let me share something with you. Don't give yourself a gag order. Talk about him. Don't put a gag over your own mouth to not speak of Jesus. Talk about him. Speak to people about him. Let people know that you're saved. Paul then indicates what's happening to these individuals as they oppress the message of Christ. He says, to fill up their sins always, that the wrath of God come upon them. And I'm challenging us tonight. Let's not put a gag order on ourselves. Let's not stop preaching the gospel. Let's not stop talking to people about Jesus Christ. Engage someone tomorrow. Pray tonight, maybe even at the altar this evening, Lord, let me engage someone tomorrow over the gospel. Let me speak to somebody about Jesus tomorrow. Let me hand out that track to that cussing man. Let me share your name with somebody, Lord. Do you know what I know my Savior's faithful? He'll give you that opportunity. He'll give you the opportunity to speak to someone. Now listen, they were being forbidden to speak. We're given the command to preach, aren't we? We're given the command to share the gospel. We're given the command to be ye witnesses. (laughs) And so I want to challenge us tonight with that thought. And here's the thing. These folks are piling sin upon sin as they're trying to oppress Christ. Listen, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those that you don't even like. You don't like their politics, but listen... Don't go online ripping people apart. (laughs) Start praying for folks, asking God to give us wisdom as believers.
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.